Hey everyone, it's Simon here, and on behalf of Maria and I, I want to thank you for checking out our podcast, and I want to encourage you to check out our website. On there we have all of our upcoming events, in-person services, gatherings all over the place, and if you're looking for a church in the MacArthur region, check it out. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, it's all there. We'd love to get to know you. Let's get to the podcast. Culture Wars. We started this series last week and we talked about how every family has a culture. Every workplace has a culture. Every church community has a culture. And every Christian should embody a culture. You know, when we become Christians, when we're born again, we must learn the culture of our new spiritual home. We belong to God. And we talked about how culture is the shared behavior of a group of people. I think that's a great definition. It's kind of succinct and because culture can be very broad. You know, we talk about ethnic culture, you know, uh, Western culture, Eastern culture. Culture can be very narrow where we talk about the culture of a sporting team or something like that. But I think that definition is really good. The shared behavior of a group of people. Culture is the accumulation of a group's character because if our character affects our behavior, right? So, uh, as a group behaves together, their character is displayed. So it's an accumulation of a group's character. Culture is a character force. Culture is a tide or an influence. Culture can sway you. Like you jump into water or you, and, and there's a current that can sway you back and forward. And, or, or when you see uh, the ocean, how, how the waves crash against a cliff. And even though that cliff is rock, over time that crashing of waves wears the the cliff edge away. And I I think this is so true of culture as well. And if we aren't intentional about our character formation and and, and being solid in our identity and who we are in Christ, guess what? The culture around us will wear away and will begin to form our character for us right? You see uh, kids who go to high school in year seven and they're all fresh and stuff like that. And guess what happens sometimes? Peer pressure, the culture around them starts to form their character, right? This is what I mean by culture is a character force. It's a tide. And some cultures are are very volatile. Some cultures are like jumping in the rapids. Uh, Some cultures you really have to fight to stand your ground, as a Christian. Okay, this is what I mean by culture war. We share from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where Paul encourages all of us to give all that we are to God. And when we, in light of all that God has done for us, give all that we are to him, not just part, not just Sundays or or when things are going tough, but we give all we are to him, we move from being conformed to being transformed. It says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. This verse isn't just about having renewed thinking or being transformed in your thinking. It's really about God transforming you in your valuing of things, a renewed valuing. 
And Paul's not just saying, hey, read enough of your Bible or go to church enough so that you can spot good when you see it or a good deed and work up the discipline to keep doing that good deed. No, it's it's much deeper than that. It's more supernatural than that. He's saying, be renewed so deeply in your mind that you not only can spot good, but you are also wanting, your, you love and approve that good. You treasure it. And that's what this transformed living is all about. You see, to know what kingdom culture is and is not, and what God's will is and is not, uh, is not just about renewed thinking. It's about renewed valuing. The Christian life is to be lived out of transformation, being transformed, right? Have you been transformed? And I live for God and I live in the ways of God because I love the ways of God. Not because I'm guilted into it. No, no. I live this way. I desire to live this way. I desire to live with kingdom culture because God has changed me from the inside out. And when we have this inevitable collision between worldly culture and kingdom culture, or even kingdom culture and slightly not kingdom culture, guess what? We're in a culture war. And this series is all about equipping us to to navigate this, to negotiate this. So let's turn to Ephesians today, where we're going to focus, written by Paul, just like Romans was last week. And if you missed last week, please go back and check it out. It's on our YouTube channel, our podcast. Do not miss it, okay? It's very, very important. So before we read uh, the scripture in Ephesians that we want to focus on today, I'd like to give us a bit of a background to help us understand what Ephesians is all about. So Ephesus was a... Uh, was located in the southwest of modern-day Turkey on the coast of the Mediterranean. Here's a map. It was a major Greek city in Asia Minor, a port town, a wealthy town, a major trade route. And one of the key uh, features in Ephesus was the Temple of Diana, or Artemis. And it it took over 250 years to build, and it was considered to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And in the middle of this temple was a statue of Diana, and in her crown, well, depending on the, the, the scholarly resources, some believe that she was completely made of this type of rock. But at the very least, in her crown was a meteor that had fallen from the sky. And uh, the Romans believed that, that this rock fell from Jupiter. And that was who this goddess was. So she was known as the goddess who had fallen from heaven because of this meteor, right? Because, you know, back in the day, something fell from the sky, it must be from the gods, right? So Diana worship was a major attraction in Ephesus. A lot of people traveled there for the purpose of visiting that temple. And Ephesus was filled with creatives who um, made trinkets and stuff like that of Diana. And a lot of the economic dynamics of Ephesus uh, were tied to Diana's power and reputation. The temple controlled the, the trade guild, the fisheries, and other businesses, it all kind of filtered through that temple. So all economic activity went through the temple, banks, markets, and it was massive. It was a very big part of the culture of Ephesus, okay? So when Paul is writing to the Ephesians here in this book of Ephesians, in many ways, he's trying to win their allegiance and reshape their worldview, um, because imperial paganism <laughs> was coming at them socially, economically, politically. Every public space was dominated with images, arches, statues, sayings, all pointing toward 
uh, paganism and Roman ideologies. Okay, this is what a lot of these Roman uh, cities were like, particularly the major ones. So talk about a culture war. You're walking around all day and, and they have statues of emperors here and statues of gods here. And this is what it's a little saying here. It was just constantly bombarding them because there's this repeated word that starts in chapter two, and it's the word peripateo. Well, let's put it on papyrus, because that's how we roll around here. Peripateo, and that word means to walk or to live, how you live out your life. So it shows up in Ephesians chapter two, verse one and two, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That word there, peripateo, following the course of this world. And it shows up again in verse 10 of chapter 2. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word, peripateo. That word is a lifestyle word. It's about not just literally how you physically walk. It's about how you live out your life. Okay. So throughout Ephesians, Paul is hammering home the point and saying, you once walked this way like Aerosmith says, walk this way. But and this is w- the way that you lived. Your peripateo was this way. Okay, you walk this way. You were like the walking dead, walking in your sin, in the deadness of your sin. But now there is a new way by which you should walk. So Paul, in, in many ways, is addressing um, the, the, the shared behavior of the Ephesians. He's talking to them about this new way that you should walk. Okay, so he's speaking right to a people who were bombarded by the culture around them and raised in the culture around them, many of them. Um, He's speaking to those in a real culture war, establishing their identity in the body of Christ, the headship and authority of Christ, which is a strong theme in Ephesians, and their God-given gifts. He's saying stuff like this in Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk, that's that word again, peripateo, as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So there's a definite line being drawn between us and them. Like, this is the way you must walk. You are part of the body of Christ. You know, there's these kind of three phases in Ephesians. The first part of it, he talks about, you know, that we are in Christ. We are seated in him. And then he starts talking about that this is how you walk, that word, peripateo. And then later in Ephesians 6, he talks about how you must stand, which we'll focus on in later weeks. But he's encouraging them in their new way of living, in their peripateo. If you say it really fast, it sounds like pair of potatoes. But let's continue in verse 20 of Ephesians 4. But that is not the way you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And we read that scripture last week, and there's a a theme here. 
that is very kind of constant in a lot of Paul's writings. And this is this whole concept of like, hey, give all that you are to God. Like we said last week, if we, in light of what God has done for us, give all that we are to him, we move from being conformed to being transformed. We're, we're being renewed. We're being renewed in, in, in every way. We're, we're learning this new way of walking and living, this kingdom culture. We're to live out of transformation, out of transformation from the inside out, right? And this culture war between worldly culture and kingdom culture, uh, there is should be a difference in how you walk, in how you live, in how you view life, peripatia, how you live. So how do you walk today? <laughs> um, how do you live? How have you been living? So the, the, the key scripture I want to focus on, this has all just been setting it up for Ephesians 5, verse 1, okay? We're going to learn how to walk, what walking in kingdom culture really looks like. So let's start from verse 1 to verse 2. Let's start in the English Standard Version. It says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. There's that word, peripateo. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So let's read it in the New Living Translation. It says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Be imitators of God, he says. Walk in love. Live a life that is filled with love. And our culture, our kingdom culture, our shared behavior should be love. Love, L-O-V-E, love, a culture of love. But love according to who? This is the big question that that I want to address today. Uh, it's really important because many people today walk in the wrong definition of love. The world says love is a feeling. It's sexually orientated. It's what, what I get. Love is love. Love is a virtue. Love has been watered down to like cultural sentimentality. It's just a sentiment or a hashtag or something I wear on my t-shirt. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about what the kingdom culture of love. What does love look like a love according to who it says right there in verse 2 of Ephesians 5 and walk in love as Christ loved us as Christ loved us the foundation of our culture of love is based upon the love of Christ not what the world says love is like no on the love of Christ God the creator who lived as a man on earth he displayed love for us. The creator knows what love should look like in our day-to-day lives, right? So our shared behavior of love. Christians, we can't allow ourselves in this culture war to live in the world's version of love. Our shared behavior should be loving as Christ loved. That's what it says there. Paul says, be imitators of God. We are to be imitating him and how Christ loved much like my kids imitate me. You know, I've had a sore shoulder for a little while. Going to get it checked out or just lay hands on it. Healed in Jesus' name. But my son, the other day, Elliot, he comes up to me. He goes, Dad, oh, my shoulder's hurting. I'm like, what? Really? 
You have the same... His shoulder wasn't hurting. Guess what he was doing? He was imitating me. <laughs> he was, and, and in many ways, making fun of me. But he ha- was seeing what his dad was doing and imitating me. So we are to be imitators of God. Walk in love. Love like Christ. So what does Christ's love look like? Well, it tells us right there in verse 2 as we continue to read. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Christ's love is selfless. Christ-like love is selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. Kingdom culture is a culture of selflessness. And this is a huge contrast to the world's culture where love is self-focused. It's about what I get rather than what I give. Uh, That isn't Christ's love. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God that that is not what Christ's love is like because he loved us even while we were still sinners. He still loved us, right? It, it was about how he, what he would give to us. That was his sacrificial love. Christ's love is selfless. It says in John chapter 10, verse 14 to 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Wow. A king who sacrifices his life for the people he leads. A shepherd who sacrifices his life, lays his life down for the sheep. That's a contrast to what we see in the world today. You know, we see leaders who, it's the the complete opposite. It's how can you lay your life down for me, that's the leader. How can you do what I say? How can you support my vision and what I'm doing? No, no, no. That is not Christ-like love. Christ-like love is, I'm going to lay my life down for you. This is to love like Christ. He, he, Paul says, be imitators of God. Love like Christ, who gave himself up for us. So Christ's love is selfless. And also, Christ's love is obedient. It says there, as we continue to read in Ephesians 5, to live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. The love that Christ displayed for us was giving of himself as a sacrifice, obviously for us as people, but to please God to obey his father. This is this is the mark of the love of God. The love of God has an order to it. It is aimed, although it is expressed to other people, of course, it is aimed towards God. In contrast, the world's love is just all over the place. It's aimed towards self-gratification and self-experience and self-exaltation. Christ's love is aimed towards God-exaltation. Okay? Kingdom culture is a God-exalting culture. God-exalting group behavior, not self-exalting, not brand-exalting, right? No, 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 no. God-exalting culture. It says in John 5, 19, listen to what Jesus says. So, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then he says in John 14, verse 31, but I will do what the Father requires of me 
so that the world will know that I love the Father. Jesus displayed his love for the Father by his obedience. He didn't just say it. He did it. And, you know, in in that father-son relationship, in the Godhead, and and with the Holy Spirit as well, in, in the Trinity, there is this love that is displayed through order and obedience. So, and Jesus was just talking about it. The Father reveals his plans to the Son. And then the Son, in turn, obeys the Father. And then, this is where me and you come into this, because then the Son reveals his plans to his disciples, to his followers. That's me and you. Via the Holy Spirit, via his word. You know, he reveals his plans to us. And then it's our turn to obey out of love. So we are swept up in this whirlwind of love displaying itself through obedience. And that's what Christ's love in action looks like. It looks like obedience. And this is so important because we, if, if we have a false definition of love, we start to believe that love, God's love is just this flaky thing that like, oh, you know what? I can sleep around. I can do this. I can do that. Oh, but God still loves me. Oh, I can just do this. I can do that. Oh, but he still loves me. Look, listen, of course, God, there is a redemptive element to God's love, but Christ displayed for us that love is really proven in our obedience to God. Come on, if we're going to live in kingdom culture here, and we're going to be distinct from the world, if we're going to win this culture war, we have to love Christ-like. We have to love in the way that God has displayed love. So the world looks at outward results. God looks at obedience. God isn't up there just going, oh, I'm going to just tick off whether you did this, whether you did that. No, no, he's looking at your heart. He's looking at you and he's looking for obedience to him. What is God telling you to do today? What has God been speaking to you in your life? Is God speaking to you? Do you need someone to help you understand what God is asking of you so that you can obey him? These are all really important questions. John 15, uh, verse 9, Jesus says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So God's love is poured upon you as you obey. Right? Uh, I know we throw around the thought, God's love is unconditional. And uh, there's an element of truth to that, but let's not get out of balance here. There is a condition to God's love. And that condition is that you accept Christ and that you obey him right? And it's the most amazing journey ever to obey him. Amen? Amen. So if all of your obedience is only towards yourself and your needs and your hobbies and your holidays and your and all these things, maybe your version of love, your expression of love, your peripateo of love actually looks more like the world than it does Christ-like love. So, What about your love is a pleasing aroma to God? It says that Christ sacrificed himself for us and it was a pleasing aroma to God. So let our love, let our living in love like Christ, living in love toward Christ, be a pleasing aroma to God. Not just to me, not just to what I want. No, it's about what he wants. Amen. So in this Culture War series, we've asked the question, have you given your all to God? And this week, we asked, are you living in Christ-like love? I know it's it's big questions. Come on, if, if we're going to, you know, Christians, we're not meant to be this flimsy dead fish that just 
floats with the flow of the world. No, no, no. We're meant to stand up in what God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. And, and if you aren't all in for him, and if you're not willing to obey him and give up ourselves for him, then guess what? You'll probably lose the culture war. <laughs> and don't be surprised if you start looking more like the world than like Christ. Amen. Amen. So come on, let's be imitators of God. Let's walk in love. Let's live a life filled with love as Christ loved us. You know, we love him because he first loved us. Amen. We don't do, do this out of guilt. We don't follow him. No, we follow him out of love because he loved us. Christ's love is selfless. Christ's love is obedient. So what does your walk, what does your pair of potato look like? Your pair of potatoes. <laughs> what does your pair of potato look like? today. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for you, okay? I feel like um, we've had a boxing match, and that's okay, but God's good. Amen? And remember, hey, you know what? We live because He first loved us. Come on, let, let me pray for you today. Lord, I thank you that you displayed love, and you pour out love on us, and we want to walk in love, and we don't want to walk in the world's version of love, but we want to walk in your version of love your display of love, as Christ has loved us. That's how we want to love you and love others. And I just pray today that you would help us. Help us be transformed from the inside out, Lord. Help us have a renewed passion for your word, a renewed passion for you to love you and chase you every day. And in every step that we take every day, in our walk with you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, Thank you for joining us today for Church Online. We hope to uh, see you today for a park lunch if the weather holds up. And uh, and if not, we will see you soon. Hey, remember, later this month, we've got back-to-back in-person services. We're really looking forward to it. And next week, we're taking a bit of a break from our series because it's Mother's Day. So tune in for that. You're going to love it. It's got a special Mother's Day service planned. Amen. Have a blessed week.